Welcome to the Athletes Podcast, where athletes and geese collide. I'm your host, Bukari Spells. Without further ado, let's get into it. So, let's start off with disappointment um, with the state of boxing in general. Uh, we, I think I spoke earlier this year about the fourth quarter being the time to line up big fights. We saw Alexander Usyk fight Anthony Joshua early. We saw Deontay Wilder fight Tyson Fury early in the year. We saw Sean Porter and Terrence Crawford handle their stuff early last year. I mean, late last year. They handled the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the fights afterwards, you know, fairly easily. So, you know, there's only one fight to make in the 147 division. There's only one fight to make in the heavyweight division and so on and so forth. Only people that held up the end of the deal in the marginal way was Triple G and Canelo. Um, I wasn't really, you know, conscious for this time, but there used to be a time where prominent fighters fought three or four times a year. There used to be a time where prominent fighters will fight their rival three or four times. Uh, you know, Hearns versus Hagler, uh, freaking, you know what I'm saying, Ali and Form. You know, it's just, it's just countless. It's just. It, it's a mentality that's no longer there. The promoters protect their prospects' records by lining up weak fights. The the fighters protect their belts by accepting weak fights. And then the product just gets watered down, and then the fan base gets frustrated. And we only get you know, worthwhile stars at an event, you know, three, four times a year, but we're fighting every weekend. I just watched women's boxing, whose pool of talent is not as deep as the men's put on two good-ass championship fights in the same day. The same day. So you can't tell me it can't be done, but we got Deontay Wilder fighting Robert Hellenius. <laughs> I just hear that, uh, you know, we're going to get into the 147 final division a little later, but it's just there's rumors of a Tank Garcia fight being, being finalized, but there's also rumors that Tank might be going to jail. So would I fight ever materialize? This is so much frustration in the sport and there's not a there's not a good enough product being you know brought forth to sustain it like name the last good fight you've seen that's 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 supposed to be good you know what i mean 
like Canelo versus Triple G was all right. But was anybody surprised by the outcome? I wasn't. I wasn't, man. We got to start. I, I refuse to pay a fucking dime for the product they're trying to charge us for it now. Like, like ESPN is probably the only broadcaster doing the shit semi-right where they're when they know it's on bullshit, they're gonna give it to you for free. Just stay up. You know what I mean? They're gonna give it to you for free. Uh but I mean the zone, the PBC showtime, the shit y'all putting out is not worth my the it's not worth my pull up and diaper money. You know what I'm saying? I got kids to feed my nigga. And I guess that segues that segues us to a point. You know what I mean? These boxers also have kids to feed. So while us as fans and while the promoters can moan and groan about their their willingness to take on, you know, challenging fights that the fans want to see, you know, they have to be financially compensated in a way that's agreeable to them. Uh, they also have to, you know, when it's time to hang that up, they have to weigh the pros and cons. Are they financially set up to walk out of the game, uh, i.e. Tyson Fury, who, you know, two, three months ago was retired, and now in another two months he'll be in the ring again against Derek Chisora. Um, but as far as upholding his end of the bargain, you know, Tyson Fury immediately when he came back, clamoring for Anthony Joshua, clamoring for Anthony Joshua. Mind you, he's coming out of retirement, but he gave Anthony Joshua an unreasonable deadline coming off of a loss, and now he doesn't want to take that fight, so he lines up an easy touch of Derek Chisora. And it's it's just bullshit. It's, it's ugly. It's nasty. It's it's not cute. He thinks it's funny. It's just, it's just, ugh. it, it is it makes me sick. I don't even want to watch the fight. He's such a talented fighter. But but while leading to this business, when you, as a top three pound-for-pound fighter, as a Rain Magazine champion, you know, WBC champion, why are you, as an older champion, taking on a Derek Chisora fight? You already beat him two times. You sparred him. You know, you know what you're going to do to him. You just essentially putting money in this man's pockets and yours. So I guess if it's a charity case, I mean, that's cool, but you only have so many fights that in your tank. Why waste one on this? Why not wait another month? Like, what's the urgency? Why not wait another month to fight? You know what I mean? To fight the better fight with Anthony Joshua. That's, you know, winner or lose. It's what your your country wants to see, the country of Great Britain, what the fans want to see internationally, because it's just a better fight but can't feed your kids off legacy. You know what I mean? Like, he, he he need that money. He need it now. And then he can still make the Anthony Joshua fight later. It's just business of boxing. It's just fucking sick. Um, My favorite fighter, Terrence Crawford, he made a business decision. Reports came across my Twitter feed this morning that he signed the fight to fight December 10th against not Errol Spence Jr., but – David Evanessa, I think I'm saying his name right, a Russian fighter, only one one loss, three draws, something like that, 20 wins, 17 knockouts. Uh, a decent fighter, but a decent fighter doesn't beat Terrence Crawford. And then I see today he's fighting on the BLK Network for 39.95 pay-per-view. And I was like, y'all got me fucked up when the only fight, if you said to yourself, the only fight that people want to see the Errol Spence fight. But now you're trying to sell me this shit. But then I saw that it was an eight bigger payday and then I immediately retracted all slander I ain't delete shit you know that live on the internet but I immediately retracted all slander I had planned for Terrence Crawford Jr. I mean what the fuck do you want me to do my nigga like that's the best ESPN ain't paying that obviously the PBC was willing to pay on that to fight Spence 
you, there was there was talks of him taking the lower cut. I think it was like a, a 60-40, 70-30 split and not having access to the financial and how like the stuff was being put. This simple shit that you would want to get if you're taking the smaller cut. You want to see how the cut is being produced. But um, so this also lends itself as a negotiation tactic because, you know, Errol Spence always has the, oh, I'll bring in the pay-per-view buys. Uh, Terrence Crawford traditionally is not a pay-per-view draw. And he also does not like generate a high revenue of pay-per-view buys when he does fight on pay-per-view by himself. Um, but this gives another opportunity to, <clears throat> you know, leverage those numbers, maybe be okay, network cast on plan to like do a streaming farm so that, you know, Terrence Crawford can bring these numbers to the next negotiating table, which I would assume would be at 154. Errol Spence just said the way cut of 147 is not fun. Um, but I would assume it would be at 154. And then he can bring this, you know, this negotiation style to the table and be like, yo, these are my numbers now. Let's talk this split. Let's talk, this, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but I, the chance of this fight materializing just slim so dramatically, like there's pride involved, there's risk involved. Like it's still a risky fight, even though Terrence Crawford's 35, he's probably 36 by the time he fights Errol Spence. Um, and that's just, that's just dangerous. Cause I don't know if Terrence Crawford transitions as easily to 154 as he did to 147 from 140. I don't know if. You know, because he's older, so I mean, putting on that weight might look different for him now. Um, it's it's interesting, man. I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm happy with the move. Like I really don't want to see him fight this motherfucker like December 10th. Like it's the only time he's gonna fight. He's not gonna fight till about the winter time next year. So, <sighs> I mean, you take what you can off that. You know what I'm saying? I can't. Can't fault a black man for getting paid, I guess. Um, but let's say he beats David, which I mean, listen, I, listen I'm gonna assume he does, but anything is possible. Um, say he beats it. So is he staying at 147? Spencer's staying at 147. I don't think he's staying at 147 for another year. Does he flirt with 154, do some catch weight fights? Like he's a promotional free agent, so he can do it the fucking once. But I don't know. It feels like the way he's doing business, the way he left top ranking, the way he kind of handled this PBC deal with the uh, the Errol Spence fight, it just mm, – I just feel like it's going to leave a lot of sour taste in a lot of people. My zone probably fuck with them because they're thirsty for talent. And, I mean, Virgil Ortiz remains at 147. He needs a belt. Um, Showtime – which partners with the PBC, they still have boots in us. So, I mean, it kind of just depends on what's in needs at that point, what risks Terrence Crawford wants to take. Because Terrence Crawford could just only fight his mandatories and just cash out till he feels like retiring, which might be what's on his mind. Um, who can follow him for that? It's a business decision. You can't feed your kids off legacy. But to speak of his legacy, he unified on 140. He held, a 1B, he held his WBO belt and defended multiple times, finished – Almost every fight he did violently. Most people do not walk out the ring with Terrence Crawford the same way they walked in, if they walk at all. So uh, his legacy is, you know, it is what it is. But this fight with Errol Spence would have really cemented it. And I think he missed out on that. Uh, because of a mix of frugality and a business decision. But let's move on. I'm spending much time on that. So I mentioned earlier that we watched the ladies have, you know, Two compelling fights back to back. Um, Alicia Bongarder versus Michaela Meyer, and um, 
Savannah Marshall versus Clarissa Shields, two championship level fights, two hard round ten round fights, um, two minutes only. So they ran fast, but the action was packed. Uh, my my personal favorite fight was the Clarissa Fields versus the uh, Savannah Marshall fight, just because it was more polished. If that makes sense, um, th- those fighters are a little bit further along in their career, and they have a little bit more <clears throat> behind their punches. They have a little bit. They're Olympians. Both Olympians have a familiar amateur history with each other. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it was just a better fight. The announcers are more into it. Alicia Bongarder and the Michaela Meyer fight. Michaela Meyer is more technical of a fighter, um, but I mean, she's not very, very explosive. She's big. Um, Alicia Bongarder, Bongarder, sorry, is a. She has a more defined physique. If that makes sense, like she's more extreme. She's more compact. And her right hand packed a lot more power than um, Michaela Meyer. Michaela Meyer a lot of times leverages her punches because she's taller than a lot of her opponents and she's longer than a lot of her opponents. But Alicia Bongarder found her like her rhythm in the last half of that fight and found a way to get that right hand to land because that's her primary weapon. But she had to throw some jabs in front of it to kind of set it up, throw some crosses, and just let her hands go in general. Uh, because the first half of the fight, if it wasn't the right, she wasn't really letting it go when she got popped by Michaela. But, I mean, those were two really good fights, man. I, I would watch them again if I was you – know, or go back and watch them for the first time. If you haven't had a chance, to probably with ESPN Plus. You can probably find the highlights on YouTube. Two minutes, take 30 minutes out. It's two-minute rounds. It take 30 minutes out your day, man. Women's boxing is a growing sport. It's a growing sport. Um, I think if they – you know, as the Olympics continue and they continue to pull talent out of the Olympic – you know, the Olympic pool, I think the quality will continue to go up. Uh, because those are the type of fighters you need. And I feel like as is, and this isn't a slight, but because of the lack of like physical knockouts, the way women boxing fights happen, um, they, and they are physical and they are like body shots, all that's good. But like, it's like, it's going to be based off scoring, like hitting and not get hit. So like, it's kind of more Olympic style boxing versus like in men's boxing, when you transition to amateur to pros, you're incorporating more of your power sitting down to your punches because you're just letting your hands go quick. In a in Olympic style boxing, because of the headgear, your chances for a knockout are kind of slightly lowered. So, um, yeah, you know, I just kind of all I have on that. I'm no expert on boxing but by any means. I just watch a little bit, read a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, moving on to that, man. We spoke briefly about Tyson Fury. Um, the Anthony Joshua fight will happen, but will it happen before Joshua fights Deontay Wilder? I'm not sure. I don't know if the if Anthony Joshua wants to get back in there with a super technical boxer because he's not a super technical boxer. I think he wants to go in there and bang with somebody. Excuse me. And Deontay Wilder is willing to do that, but the question Joshua has to face because he's chinny a little bit now, right? Like Usyk put them all up in that first in that first fight. Uh, Ruiz dropped them. I mean, it's he he's not like the most upright fighter. His condition is an issue when he decides to come in both up. Um, I mean, Deontay Wilder's getting smaller, so I mean, Anthony Joshua can probably take care or take advantage of that physique uh, delta. But I mean, that remains to be seen if that fight gets made. I still think that Tyson Fury is able to persuade <clears throat> Anthony Joshua to take on that fight in Great Britain in front of their fans and like the Wimbledon Stadium or some shit. Like, I don't know if you ever seen a, the last couple fights they had, but. That's atmosphere was beyond anything I've seen. Um, but 
Will it happen? I doubt it. I doubt it happens in the next six months because Tyson's fighting in December. He's going to fake retire. It's going to take like a month or maybe the top half of the summer. So maybe late July, some shit, but we'll see. Uh, to finish off this episode, man, let's just recap um, Haney versus Cambosis. And what comes after that, man, Devin Haney went back to Australia to fans belt. Uh, the most entertaining part of the fight was probably the press conference, the back and forth between Bill Haney and <coughs> George Cambosis Sr., you know, both respective trainers of their sons, you know, former and current champions, former undisputed, current undisputed champion trainers. Um, back and forth is amusing. You know, George Cambosis leading up to the fight said that the Haney's, you know, led an art of deception, said they were going to come in one way and, you know, present themselves another. So, you know, at the press conference, Bill Haney presented him with the art of war, which I gave me a chuckle, you know, so he wouldn't have any surprises what's coming next. Um, was, of course, George tossed off the table. Dancing shenanigans on the scale. Was Devin Haney on the scale? Everybody says he looks drawn out, which, I mean, it's a weight cut. I'm sure he walks around probably around 150-something or some shit. But, I mean, he's had no issue making weight and performing. And the way he fights, his power isn't necessarily a need. He didn't need enough power to keep his opponent off when he hit him. So, I mean, he wants to essentially Olympic-style box and punish you in the back back half of the fight. Um, so, We'll see how long six round one thirty five. I think he likes defending these belts. I think he likes being undisputed and choosing, you know, where he wants to go. And I could see him, you know, going up and down if he so chooses as well. And five between in two divisions, what's to stop him besides sanctioning bodies, forcing mandatories and shit like that, and making it hard for him to pick the fights he wants because of, you know, the number one or number three contender being forced to be his mandatory and that not being financially appealing because. Can't keep your fizz. I can't feed your kids off legacy. But uh, back to the fight. Devin Haney beat George. Not really the same way he beat him the first time because it was he was more willing to sit in the pocket, lean on his front foot, and let that right hand go. First fight, he just jabbed him to death. Um, this time, he exclusively headhunted, uh, hit and don't be hit. He got caught a couple of times, took it well. George came in with this weird – Switching in like he was a switch hitter coming in between the southpaw and orthodox. And it took Devin a long time to decide to let that right hand go and hit him when George was switching. But, I mean, it was really nothing George could do in the whole fight. Like, he came in defeated. When you come in doing some shit that's not you, that you don't do well, it's like a last-ditch effort. And then when you abandon that, that's when you could tell you're mentally broken, right? Because they made you go away from your game plan. And then when your secondary game plan doesn't work, which was essentially – try to punch it between Devin Haney's punches, but it, I mean, Devin Haney's longer and quicker, so that wasn't even working. It's just, it was a beautiful display of boxing by Devin Haney. A decent display of heart by George Cambosis of what was left of George Cambosis' heart. I think he's a good fighter. I just think he needs to step down in competition. Like, I think he needs to build himself up some more before he steps back up the championship level. Uh, Devin Haney will see Vasily Lomachenko next, most likely. Uh, they asked him if he wanted to fight after the fight. He gave probably praise to Allah and said, I'll take whoever comes at me. So, Lomachenko definitely wins those battles. Bob Aaron uh, Aaron has a lot of respect for Lomachenko, so he's definitely going to line up. And then he said he wants to see Curry Stevenson fight the winner of that, which I expect to be Devin Haney. Lomachenko was aged. Um, But we'll see. And either way, either one of those fighters would be a good challenge for Curry Stevenson. But in the meantime, 
George Cambrosis versus George Stevenson would be a good introduction to the lightweight divisions for sure. So maybe we can make that happen. Um, but we'll see, man. But until then, man, I bet you guys do have a safe weekend. Uh, grill. Go to a pumpkin patch. Go Halloween shopping, man. But always remember, simping ain't pimping. And we out. Yeah, I can't be your girl. Take my show. You make-